0: I was teaching this last week one of our church members came up to me and she said we are a come as you are church we are a church where no perfect people are allowed that's why i drove an hour and a half every sunday when i lived in corona lake elsinore just to come to this church because well let me let her tell her testimony let's welcome jesse come on So Jesse, your testimony, I didn't know it, uh, in the depth that you shared it with me recently, you know, just well, like last week and, and, uh, it's so powerful. So can you just tell us a little bit about where you're at and how you connected with this and, and, and how the Lord has just transformed your life by being a part of this church?
1: Yeah. Um, so my parents came here first, um, many years before I decided to come myself. Um, but when I would come and visit, um, I didn't go to church when I wasn't at my parents' house. Um, and so when we came to visit, or when I would come to visit, my dad and Christina would say, hey, we're gonna go to church. And it was kind of like one of the things, like if you lived with us, you work and go to church. It was kind of their, their rules. Um, but um, I thought I could pull off living a double life. So I thought no one would ever know that I was into drugs and drinking. Um, but there were people at church. Uh, that that knew and saw me. Um, I don't think that they cared, though. Because <laughs> um, they would just hug me and say, hey, I'm so happy that you came back. And um, So no matter how many times I moved away, um, I would call my dad and say, hey, I'm trying to find a church, but it's not like GPC. And he would say, just give it a chance. And so every time I would come to visit, um, no matter if I was using or not, um, before I got sober, I knew that at least if I came to GPC, like... It was, there was no wall up. So when I moved here um, several years ago, uh, I tried to find a church closer to Lake Elsinore because it was a little far to drive. Um, but I felt like there was still parts of me that I had to hide. The um, the divorce or the single mom or the couldn't make it work with her son's father or that I was in recovery. There were so many things that I just felt like I still had to hide um, to fit in at the church. And then... Because
0: um, you said that you felt that everybody at our church was perfect.
1: Yeah, because I thought everyone was perfect because everybody was already married and had kids and they were like with the person they had kids with, and so I was like, <laughs> so I was like, oh my gosh, these people like have, get married first and then have kids and like they're living like they're all doing it right, so I didn't want to drive down here because I was like everyone's like normal and and healthy, and no one struggled with depression or anxiety. Like, everybody was just happy. So I was like, I'm not going to keep driving. Um,
0: And I asked her, I said, what was it like for you, sweetheart, (laughs) to go to a church where everybody else was perfect, and only you were the one that had problems? That must have been just horrendous for you.
1: Yeah, so um, I don't remember the service and so much what it was about. It was just that I was in a really hard season. Um, And... My son, who's gonna be seven soon, um, he asked to go back because he liked the classroom and the teachers teaching. Sorry. Um, So I said, okay, well, we'll just go this one Sunday. It's a long drive from Lake Elsinore. Um, And somebody had said, hey, Jess, I'm happy you're here. Like, it's so good to see you. And I was like, oh, my parents are inside. And they're like, I'm not asking about them, I was asking about you. Come on. Um, Come on. And so they were like, how's Yanni doing? And I was like, "Um, he's like, I caught me off guard and I didn't know what to say. And um, that started the hour and a half. And I lived in Lake Elsinore, like almost to Corona Lake Elsinore. Um, And that's what started the drive every Sunday for about a little over a year and a half um, to GPC.
0: Wow. Wow, that's such a good testimony. That is so good. Thank you, Jesse. Okay, all right, all right, all right, God bless you. Well, with that, let's welcome Pastor Josh Hamilton. Bring the word.
2: I need to change my sermon to hurry up, Josh. Seriously, wow. And how the heck am I going to follow Pastor John, the hype man, with that communion message? I feel like Forrest Gump when he gets up there. The guy's like, all right, Forrest Gump. And the mic cuts off and nobody That's all I got to say about that. Let's pray.
3: <laughs>
2: I, felt very stro- I felt very strongly about the, uh, what God put on my heart to, to share today. And um, Pastor John alluded to it. It was the, it was the self-righteousness uh, point. But the story of, the, uh, of the, um, the prodigal son is where I wanna, want us to really unpack today. We're going to look at, we're gonna look at um, the younger son, his perspective, his viewpoint, walk of life. The father, his viewpoint of the whole situation. And the elder brother, which I identify with the most. So, and we're, we're going to see that. Um, so we are all called to be fishers of men. Right? We are all called for that. The Great Commission is for all of us to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that He has commanded. So, fishers of men, it's not just for the fearsome few that are called to go to a third world country, go to a remote village, get everybody saved. We got our mission field here in the backyard in San Diego, right? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. It's God's heart for everyone to receive salvation. Uh, And and come to the Lord, and we are that link in the chain. But there are things in our lives that can break that link in the chain and cause us to not have God's heart for those that are far from God, right? There's things like, you know, our political divisions. There's things like our racisms, our prejudices. Perhaps more relative to what we're going through, maybe you're online, maybe you're here in the house, and you stand on opposing sides of vaccines, boosters, masks, and you have very strong feelings towards those that do not share your same viewpoint, right? We we've all, we've all have those people in our lives. These and other things are what Pastor John has been talking about the past few weeks in our None Too Far series. But again, I want to talk about the one that he hasn't touched on yet, which is that self-righteousness piece. What is the definition of self-righteousness? Well, it's one who's convinced of their own righteousness, especially in contrast with the actions and beliefs of others. It's narrow-mindedly moralistic, better than everybody else. I got my life, it's way better than yours, a high moral stance. So the title of my sermon today is not hurry up, Josh. I'm going to try to move as quick as I can through these first two points because I really do. They're important for setting the stage up for the elder brother. Uh, the title of my sermon today is Trigger Your Inner Pharisee. Some of y'all are going to be triggered today. Come <laughs> on! Ouch. All right, so let's turn to our Bibles. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 through 20. Are you ready to go? Go. All right, NIV version. I'll give you guys a second. It's up on the screen if you need it too. Jesus continued There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. This was a young Jewish boy. Pigs were the most unclean animal in that culture. That was probably the worst occupation he could have gotten, so shame. He longed to fill his stomach with the paws that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. So he literally hit rock bottom in his life. He was ashamed at the results of his actions. He was broken, and he felt completely unworthy to the point of disowning himself as a son. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So let me ask you this. Have you ever messed up so bad in your life and felt an overwhelming sense of unworthiness? Yeah. yeah. That unworthiness, perhaps brokenness, caused you to feel like giving up trying on fixing yourself or the situation, right? Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps you have an addiction to something that you have been trying to shake. could be drugs, food addiction, alcohol, gambling, negative mental spiraling, pornography, sexual addiction, whatever. You've tried and tried, time and time again, and time and time again, you fell. Maybe something has happened in your life outside of your control, outside of your decisions. You got the dream job, right? Uh, Dream house, location, dream girl, dream guy. Life's pretty sweet. Things are going really well. But something happens that changes everything. All falls apart. COVID hits. There's a layoff. You got a breakup, divorce, foreclosure, sickness, whatever it is. We live in a fallen world, and things are bound to happen to us and around us, and we all have been in this particular place in our lives to to some degree or another, right? But what can unworthiness do? Well, it's the, the, the younger son. It distorted how he saw himself and his situation. It can distort how we see ourselves and our situation. It can lead us into making more bad decisions, cause us to be desperate and keep us in a victim spiral, a victim mentality, it pushes love for ourselves and others out and brings self-hatred in. Hmm. Been there before? And that's exactly where the devil wants to keep you.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's exactly where he wants to keep you. From living the life that God designed you for and created you for. Come on. But God has better things for you. Come on. God has better things for you. In John 10.10... 10, It says, Jesus says, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but I have come to give you life, and that life abundantly. Amen? Let's turn to the Father. Luke 15, verse uh, 20 through 24. So he got up, and he went to his father. But while he was still in the distance, his father saw him, and filled with compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. The son declared, Father, here's the speech now. Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So let's put ourselves in the father's shoes at this point, okay? The son, he asked for his share of the inheritance, which in our culture today, that's kind of a pretty lousy thing to do, if you think about it. Hey, Dad, I want my money, and I want it now. (laughs) Wish you were dead. (laughs) As a parent, it would be hurtful if one of my kids suddenly made the decision not only to go on, take the money, and run, but also to leave a really good life behind, to go on a self discovery journey of sleeping with prostitutes, getting drunk and partying all the time, flushing your inheritance, your character, and your reputation down the toilet. Amen. So, for a time, I think as a father, as a parent, maybe you're in here, if, you're, if that's happened, you're pretty angry at first. You're like, what the heck? This little brat did that, you know? But after a time, I would think that those emotions would calm down. And you no longer are thinking about the things that he did as much. They don't affect you as much. All you care about is how they're doing. Come home. You know? Where are they? I wonder what they're doing. It could have been years since the last time he saw his son. There's no cell phones back then, so there was no, hey, what's going on? Just checking up on you. How you doing? Based on things left off, how things left off the last time... It's presumably he's dead, most likely. But we got to move on. We got farm stuff. I got another son here. We gotta we gotta pick up and move on. But then he sees him off in the distance. Picture yourself out in the field, just you know, doing your thing out there, and you look up. You're like, what is it? Is that my son? And you know what your kids look like. You see their little profile. From a mile away. And I'm picturing just seeing, you know, my daughter a mile away. Can you imagine how he felt when he saw him walking towards the house? Can you imagine the flood of emotion? Drops everything and runs to his son. And that speech of unworthiness, that didn't even matter anymore. Because love was bigger than his offense.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: So whatever you've done or have happened in your life and it's left you feeling unworthy or ashamed or desperate, God's love is bigger than your offense. Come on. God's love covers your sins. God's love. Restores you. And that's exactly what happened to the younger son. 1 Peter 4.8 says, Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. So if you are a parent in here and you have a child who is far from God or has walked away or something... Things didn't go good in your relationship and they did their own thing. Or you have somebody in your family or a friend that you've been wanting to come back to God, come back home. Don't stop looking off into the distance with prayer and expectation. Don't quit. Don't give up. Pray that God would cause them to come to their senses and come home to Him. Now, it would be really easy to just end right there and like, all right, let's come to God right now. That's perfect segue. But I would be remiss if we didn't talk about the thing that I tend to identify with, and, and perhaps even you do too at some point. So now let's look at the older brother. Luke chapter 15, verses 25 through 30. Meanwhile, back at the ranch... The older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, what was going on? Your brother has come home, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. Now, if you have a sibling or or somebody has hurt you in some way and did something stupid that offended you... I put myself in the brother's situation here. All he heard was, "Your brother has come back home, and your father has killed the fattened calf." <laughs> your brother, ugh, anger, and you know when your heart's doing this, and you're just like, "I am so ticked off right now. I can't even believe that little jerk came home, thinking that we were just going to welcome him back in."
0: Uh
2: oh. Hold on, I'm painting a picture here. Stay with me. <laughs> I'm an artist. I paint. <laughs> the older brother, the older brother became angry and he refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father. Look, dad, all these years, all these years. So there's that answer he was gone for years. I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed you. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours Uh-oh. Oh. didn't even identify him as his brother, he's just like, this, this son of yours squanders your property on prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? I'm not going inside. Forget this. So indulge me for a minute. Just let the emotion of this, this scenario sink in. Identify with the feelings of injustice that the older brother is having right now, right? Yeah. His little brother essentially rejects and walks away from his family, wishes his father is dead. gets his inheritance, all that kind of stuff, and the responsibility of taking care of the farm. He leaves it for the brother in the service, lives like hell, blowing through all of his dad's money only to come back and be... Celebrated? Not having to answer for any of the crap you just pulled, mm. wow. right? Yeah. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> 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 so you you feel what's bubbling up inside of you right now? You kind of if you're if you're doing a good job at identifying with this, you feel coming up. That's called triggering your inner Pharisee. <laughs> So, let me ask this. Was the older brother wrong in what he said to his father? Mm, Nah, yeah. (laughs) Yes and no. I would argue no if you're looking at it from his perspective. Was he justified in being angry? Yeah. Yeah. Consider what just happened and what went down. Yeah. He has a right to be angry. You have a right to your feelings. However, the older brother didn't have the father's perspective on the situation nor did he have the same love for his younger brother. And I wonder how often we don't have God's perspective on situations nor God's love for other people. Every day. This is more painful for me right now preaching this. (laughs) it 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 isn't? Okay. So you're with me. That's good. All right. Well, this is uh, this is the point where I want to share my testimony because um, Pastor Mark, Pastor Dennis, and John—they all have their testimony. It was very similar, but mine is a little bit different. Uh, I was raised in church. I towed the line a little bit, as John often says. And my temptation wasn't immorality; it it was spiritual pride. It was spiritual pride. And this is for everyone, but mostly for those raised in Christian faith has been my experience. So uh, like I said, I grew up in church my whole life. Um, I went to Catholic school from kindergarten all the way up to seventh grade. And then I transferred to a really small Christian high school in Massachusetts. And um, where we, you know, we were taught Bible every day. I was saved at 13 years old. I went to youth group every Friday, I was part of the worship team sometimes on Sunday, and I helped play drums and play guitar on Wednesday's chapel. So every day I was just immersed in a godly culture. Um, I lived, ate, and breathed Christian values, biblical worldview, was taught it all the time. I never partied, never drank, smoked, and I was a virgin until I was married. And I was proud of these values. I held myself in high esteem. I was just like, yeah, that's good. Christian bubble, and I was proud that I would one day be able to tell my spouse that I saved myself for you here, you know.
3: Oh
0: boy! Here's my gift to you.
2: This is my gift to you, me. I would always pray that I would meet my wife at one of my concerts because I happened to be in a Christian band with my best friends all throughout high school. We toured to different churches. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be famous man! Yeah. (laughs) We're going to make it. (laughs) I would always pray that I'd meet my wife at one of our shows. And then when God did that, he would change my life. Oh, did he? And at that time I met Dara Lee, I wasn't looking. I had decided about a week before I met her, actually, that I was okay with being single because God would sustain me. I'll just do my music. I would do, you know, and God, whatever, you'd make it easier for me if I was supposed to be single. Then I, then I saw Dara Lee for the first time. And God echoed in my heart that day. <laughs> he, he said, she's the one. And I'm not kidding about that, too. That's, that was a pretty powerful experience. We met at church. We were both Christians on a journey. Now, here is where my little Pharisee was triggered. Let's segue here. I'm doing really good You're on doing time. Hurt. Doing real. Wow. <laughs> so one particular. Yeah. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for keeping me humble. <laughs> I'm so perfect. <laughs> That's right. Christopher. No, I have a hard time trying to keep my inner Christopher walking down some, you know. He'll probably pop out every now and then. So one particular day, my, my now wife, we were talking on the phone. We were just friends at this point. I wanted more than just friends, but I was taking my time. And I asked her about her past, um, hoping <laughs> that it would be similar to mine. Uh, our relationship, you know, it was brand new. I wanted her to be worthy of my values. Oi! <laughs> <laughs> oh, <Oy. laughs> I'm getting there, Rick. <laughs> oh, my cute little Pharisee. <laughs> she shared how her past was not the same uh, in relationships stuff. And after hearing that, you know, the world I grew up with, the, 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 the church life, my Christian bubble I grew up in, she shared how her past was not the same, and all, I couldn't speak anymore. Something just gripped me. I, I didn't know what to say, and so I was deeply offended. The bubble of my purity expectations, values that I was hoping to share similar with a prospective spouse was being burst in a matter of seconds. So I quickly got off the phone. I, I, I got I to gotta go. And she's like, huh? I, I just got to go. Click,
0: click. Wow.
2: Yeah. So later that night, the Lord spoke to my heart. I was still kind of like, well, that didn't work out. The Lord spoke to my heart, and this is what he said to me. I, I still remember the feeling. You're going to miss out on the best I have for you because of your self-righteousness and judgmental attitude. Yes,
3: sir. <laughs>
2: so what do you think I did then? <laughs> the so I ended up calling her back, Mark. Right away. The next day, she was so mad. <laughs> do you think? She was so mad. <laughs> she said, he calls himself a Christian. Yeah. And he's sitting here judging me for my past, a past that God redeemed me from.
0: Come on. Hey.
2: I love the abuse I'm taking. (laughs) 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 Me, the triggered Pharisee, I I, I was forced by God. This is a good thing, though, when God just like (laughs) God's good, loving slap across the face. He says, I chose to push the self-righteousness aside, and I chose to believe that God's redemption was absolute. Amen. I had to choose that. Yeah. He literally makes new creations, as Scripture says. Yeah. He takes the old, throws it away, and makes you new.
0: Boom.
2: Brand new. My spiritual, pride, I put my, my spiritual pride caused me to put God in a box and, and look at life through a lens of, This is how it should be for everybody. And for those that didn't do things the same way I did, they were just heathens. (laughs) 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 I've changed people. (laughs) My wife was who God used to show me how wonderful His grace and redemption was. Not just my wife, but the people I would normally judge. I was now being awakened to how much God loved them. And it hurt. It hurt to know, like, I had such a view of things that was so wrong.
0: Yeah, come on, now you're preaching.
2: (laughs) I wasn't before? (laughs) Man. Okay, now let's get started. (laughs) Take another offering. Let's do communion again. (laughs) Luke 18 says that some who were confident in their own righteousness—this is verse nine through 14—to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told them this parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One of the a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. Ugh. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. But he beat his chest and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I sure was humbled. In my little holier-than-thou attitude, I felt that God's grace only applied to me, and I resented how people could choose to live like hell and get away with it with no consequences. I'll just ask for forgiveness, and then I'm good to go. I'm telling you guys, I had that older brother mentality because of my upbringing. And to be honest with you, sometimes I still have to beat him down. I'm like, you need to get that self-righteousness out of the way, man. The remedy for this was in the heart of the father in the story of the prodigal son.
0: That's a good word.
2: So let's look at it. Luke 15, verse 31 through 32. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. So why did he even, hey, you never gave me a goat. You could have just grabbed the goat. It was already yours for the taking. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, you see how he did there? Remember how, remember how the son said, "This son of yours? The father put it back on him. This brother of yours, this sister of yours, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So love overcomes offenses. We must choose to see people the way God sees them, right? Right? You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But when you gave your life to God, when you gave your life to Jesus, you've been made alive in Christ. New creation, brand new. The old is gone, the new has come. Humble ourselves and understand that God's grace is sufficient for all. His grace is sufficient for all, I was only thinking that grace was for me, and I didn't have God's grace or, or grace for other people. His grace was sufficient for all. And Ephesians 2.8 says that it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not by works so that no one can boast. I was boasting in my own merit, in my own values. And I was raised in and judging everybody for not doing the same thing. That's not God's way. That's not God's perspective on people. God came to save sinners. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Amen? So, we see the younger son who was unworthy, just felt unworthy, completely failed, messed up, bad, and just, uh, I don't even deserve to be called son. But where else can I go? I'm going to go home and just be like my, my father's hired servants. Maybe you identify with him today. Maybe you, you identify with the father and you, you were hurt by maybe a child or somebody in your family or a friend and you just want things to be fixed. You want things to be better. You're praying so hard for that to happen. Maybe you're here today or watching and you identify with that. Or you could be like me, and you, you're you're actually struggling with self righteousness and judgmentalism. Like, and it, and it's easy to slip into this. I wanna I wanna say, um, it's easy to slip into this. How many of you have ever like gone? In, like, you were out of shape before, or now you start doing like what it is. You get your money in order. You change direction in your life. You start making some good choices. Crushing your goals. And for a little while, and then you start to look at those that aren't doing what you're doing, and you judge them for it.
0: And you were just them last week.
2: Right, and you were just them last week.
0: Yeah.
2: So it's easy for this stuff to creep in, but we have to watch that in ourselves. We have to make sure that we are seeing it from God the Father's perspective. Mm. So let's go to God this morning. And close our eyes and come to the Holy Spirit. (sighs) Ask right now the Holy Spirit to show you where you think that you are better than others. Let's take 10 seconds and just do that. Where are you prideful? Where are you self-righteous? Where have you been judging? Now, Compare yourself to Jesus.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's not wow. fair.
2: Hold on. It's the humility piece. He is our standard. Philippians. It says in Philippians that though he was God, he did not consider himself equal with God, but he humbled himself to be a servant. He humbled himself to be a servant. He was the son of God, folks but he humbled himself and he became, you know, the sacrifice for for our sins. Now, ask the Lord to forgive you. If you found it, God's got his finger on it in your heart, in your mind. Ask the Lord to forgive you for your pride and self-righteousness. Now, Let's ask God that we would receive His grace and His forgiveness. Ask Him to fill you with His Spirit and His heart for those who are far from Him. I'm gonna read the scripture again. I'm gonna invite the prayer teams down right now. And if if what I've, I shared with you today spoke to you, and you and you wanna and you wanna kind of press into it a little bit further. I invite you, come down front. We're going to continue in worship. I want to give you the space to, and the opportunity to deal with that. And remember, Ephesians 2 8 through 10 says, For it is by grace, say, for it is by grace grace. you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves, it is a gift from God. Not by works. It's nothing that you can do. John talked about this during communion. It's all Jesus. It's all grace. It's not by works. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for in advance for us to do. Can we praise God right now? Yeah. Amen.
0: That's called, a, that's called a shoot dang sermon right there. Hey, Josh, um, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that a great word? We've got, we've got a, another preacher in the house, Dennis. A number of years ago, Dennis did a men's camp, and he spent 15 minutes with Josh, and he says, you need to give him the pulpit. So it's a joy to be able to do that. Now, now, now in your... Hey, in your notes there was a scripture. I, I want to. I want this scripture to be read because it's just going to strike us in the hearts. Chris, that First Corinthians. I think four. Is that four what it was? Seven, four seven. Four seven. You got that's in his notes, right? First Corinthians four seven. You got that? No, I didn't highlight it. Oh, you didn't highlight it? Okay. First Corinthians four seven. Chris is going to pop it up here, and, and I'm going to read it, and then we're going to uh, go into worship because this, the whole. Uh, purpose of josh preaching this is in our none too far series and that is uh, jesus is trying to reach people and the problem is you're in between jesus and the person he's trying to reach so we got to get this stuff out of our hearts looking at this person sideways because jesus is looking at him or her with compassion so we have got to get these things out of our hearts so that he can reach them through us we bring jesus to people not ourselves and we bring people to jesus that's what we do and so these so this scripture look at this let's read this out loud together for who makes you different from anyone else what do you have that you did not receive and if you did receive it why do you boast as though you did not he was rebuking the corinthian church for their spiritual pride He says, everything you have was a gift from God. So why do you act as though it wasn't a gift? We cannot judge anybody. We are not allowed to. It's not our calling. It's not our job. And we will get in some big trouble if we do. So, Lord Jesus, trigger our little Pharisees inside of our hearts. All right, let's all stand. And if you want prayer for physical healing, you want prayer for salvation, you want prayer for mental peace, and deliver if you want prayer because you have been struck to the heart by this message I'm going to ask that if this message really struck you to come up to these prayer teams let them lay hands on you pray over you and let the Holy Spirit seal this let God push the ball all the way into the end zone like the Rams are going to do today against San Francisco <laughs>
3: Amen. If
0: you've never given your life to Jesus before, we're going to close with this, and then Josh is going to lead us in worship. If you've never given your life to Jesus, you cannot earn heaven. Heaven was already bought and paid by the only person who could ever buy it for you, and that was Jesus Christ. God knew you were in trouble. He knew we could never make it to heaven So he came down and took care of it for us. Every other religion on the planet has steps to be acceptable to God. Christianity is the only one that says it's not what we do for God, it's what God has already done for us. It's grace. So if you've never received Jesus, just pray this prayer with me right now in your heart, right here in this place. Just in your heart say, God, I'm a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. I've learned today that I cannot earn it. So I'm asking you to forgive me freely by the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. I say this to God. I'm giving my life to Jesus right now. I'm making Him my Savior. And I receive your full forgiveness now. Amen. If you just gave your life to Jesus, please, online, uh, write a little comment. We'll reach out to you. If you gave your life to Jesus the first time here, please come up front. While we worship and as people are filtering out in a minute, I want to talk to you and pray with you and bless you. And if you're a believer and you've had insecurity in your relationship yes. with God, I pray to God that got blown up into tiny little pieces you'll never be able to put back together again. Yes. We all get into the presence of God by faith through the blood and the blood alone. Amen? Yes. Come on, let's worship Him on our way out. Come on, here we go. Oh, I... Heard
3: a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. So you are do you are in all of you ways, you are perfect in all of your ways, you are perfect in all of your ways to us. Let's sing, you're a good father, you're a good, good father. So come have your way, come have your way, come have your way.
0: Josh is going to continue to just play for those that want to stay and continue to worship. Um, noon, there's lunch. Uh, If you want to learn how to lead people to Jesus, in a threatening way, Stephanie is fantastic at that. She's gifted and anointed. So that's right here on the grounds, uh, down the hallway, Delta Ridge Room, is right by the men's restroom. There's a room in there, and um, uh, you can be trained on how to uh, lead somebody to the Lord in a very simple way. But um, amen. Isn't God good? And his presence wonderful. God bless everybody.